Today's guest went from a small town with a dream at young age to ride and work with horses abroad. She decided her junior year in high school that she would go to Belgium for a year after she graduated and has been back and forth since then. So far, her story is one of the most unique ones I've heard so far. Jory, thank you for being here with us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for the awesome introduction. I mean, it'll be more awesome once I know you better. So, I mean, I've heard a little bit of your story so far, and I think you're pretty good at describing it. So I would like just to go kind of from the beginning of where it all started. Okay. I guess um, my parents like to blame each other for the beginning because uh, my dad, of course, bought me a horse, but my mom took me to Europe as a kid. So, you know, whose fault is it really, I guess, where it all started? Um I just always enjoyed horses, always really enjoyed traveling and being in new places. Uh, I genuinely enjoy being uncomfortable and I thought, you know, why not go and uh, and give it a shot? I I met someone who had worked for a trainer in Europe um, and I kind of just didn't really believe it was possible. And then I decided I would go and try it out myself and, you know, I thought it would only be a year long trip or something before the next adventure. And of course, now we're 10 years later. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still here. So <laughs> um, that was kind of the the start, I guess, just the inspiration. Yeah. So you had your your mother taking you to Europe. Your mm-hmm. father bought you a horse or is it, did I switch swap? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, they were, they did it together. Both of them, you know, supported the horses and the Europe together. They like to blame each other. <laughs> okay. Okay. And then you said you had a friend. I guess I didn't know that. So you had, or you knew somebody that had done it before, which kind of gave you your inspiration. Yeah. I, I, she's not really a friend. She was just an acquaintance. You know, she told me that she had worked for this rider in Belgium and, you know, I'm from really small town and I thought there's no way that you can do that. That's not possible. Mm-hmm. Like, small town people don't go to Europe and work for Olympic riders. And I was very naive, obviously at that time. Uh, and I thought, yeah. you know, heck, what can it hurt? I'll just send her an email, I guess, to this rider in Belgium and, uh, ask if I can come. I didn't know anything about traveling or, you know, working abroad or how it would go. And, uh, she accepted my invitation or my offer, I guess, to work for her immediately and told me that I was very welcome. She recommended that I stay for also for a year to really get a hang of everything. And, um, and that was kind of, yeah, kind of how it, how it started, I guess she, it wasn't really from that other girl. I reached out myself. I made the effort Mm -hmm. to start with it. And then she accepted me and then I just came. That's it. (laughs) Not really much of a plan or anything beyond that. That blows me away because being at such a young age, um, I think it takes a lot of faith to take some sort of step like that. I mean, faith and maybe a low ego, right? Because, you know, if you've never, if you've never done something like that before, maybe being young, fear of rejection is a real thing. I mean, even being an adult, fear of rejection is a real thing. And people will not take a step because they don't want people to tell them no, right? So I think that's pretty cool that you just messaged her. Like, were you afraid that she would say no? Or did that not even cross your mind? Well, yeah, of course I was afraid she could say no. But on the other hand, okay, if she says no, then I didn't really think it was possible anyways, but I can still remember the day that I got the email back. It only took her a day or two to respond to me also. And I remember like 
you know, falling to the floor in our house, crying, and my parents were crying. We were all like, what is this crazy opportunity? We were so excited, and it was like something so huge and unexpected. Um, and at that point, you know, there wasn't really like, there wasn't really a time for fear because the excitement, you know, really took over. Um, that was the, that was for sure a bigger element than, than being afraid of being rejected. That only came once I, you know, went to get on the plane and, and come over here that I think I started to think like, oh gosh, <laughs> what am I going to What do? did I get into? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you didn't have that fear of rejection and I want to get into, I want to get into to how you felt before you were going, but I mean, you were accepted pretty quickly. And then were you like, okay, now what the heck am I going to do? Cause like you said, you said you had no idea what, what you were going to do. It seems like you didn't know the next steps. I mean, it sounds like maybe you had a passport. You're like, okay, so I can go abroad. I have a passport, but like, mm-hmm. did you think about money? How are you going to live there with like financially? How are you going to stay there? Like, I don't know, culturally, did you speak the language before? Like what, like what was going through your mind? Um, I guess I, I have to be honest that I have a lot of family in Holland, um, in the mm-hmm. Netherlands, which is borders with Belgium. Right. So I think that of course offers a little bit of comfort level for me and also to my parents at that time. Cause I was only, you know, 17 or 18 when I left. Um, so that helped to have that kind of comfort element, even though they were a few hours away, at least they were in the neighborhood, you know, not across. Mm-hmm. The- and then, um, the, the money part was basically that, you know, cause then we communicated via email with, uh, with Karen Donkers as the writer that, uh, the agreement is, you know, you work there, you, you get, you know, a place to stay, you get some, some food, you know, there was no income, but you also got a lesson every week. And, uh, so that was kind of the, the payments in its own odd way. Um, and which is all I really needed, I guess, as long as you had a place to stay and some food to eat, then everything was basically covered. And I didn't really need anything else at that time. And she answered my email in English and she was an international writer. So I assumed that the English would be enough, I guess, and everything else would just kind of mm-hmm. learn as we, as you go. Um, yeah, I think that answers the question. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think being so young, um, not having, you know, maybe lots of work experience, living off of parents, I think it's easy to accept, um, you know, food, food and housing, right? I know for a lot of adults now, it's like, I need to make money, I need savings, I have, I have bills to pay, maybe they have kids, but it, it is kind of wonderful being so young and not having any of those those things where you're like, no, I need, I need you to pay me. Right. It's enough that they'll, they'll teach you and they'll house you and feed you. Yes. That's very true. That's really, really a big part of it for sure. Also, because I knew that, you know, my insurance was still under my parents at that time, you know, everything was, was really taken care of. It was, it was very naive. Like I said, it was, uh, because also then when I got here, I realized that I was not an exception at all. There were international students coming from all around the world to work and learn for for her and from several other, you know, riders all around the world as the same kind of system. So that was the that was the start. Um, but yeah, the the naivety is a great and 
dangerous thing, but also a, a great element to help you get started sometimes, especially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so tell me about, um, you said you, you kind of started feeling a type of way once you got on the plane. Definitely. Definitely. Because then you're, I was very unsure about, you know, the horse knowledge that I already had at that time, because I came from, you know, Western riding world with, uh, like rodeos and, and, cowboys like everybody thinks of them over here and then I came mm -hmm. to Belgium and I worked for an eventing rider so a totally different style of, of horsemanship um and I was definitely a bit afraid that I would have to like relearn everything that I already knew and which of course was not the case because you just combine it and learn more um and also the being far away part of course was like that was, I think I realized that more through my parents than I felt for myself at that time, because I was very eager to get out of the small town and to, you know, get somewhere else and, and, uh, try in a new place. But, uh, once I was there, I started to be a bit like, oh, now there's a nine hour time change. Now there are other elements that I even didn't realize that I was so nervous about, um, until after you arrived at your, at the next place, of course, the new place. Yeah. So what was your experience like once you got there? What did you, what did you like, you know, first day, what did you see? What, what was it like? Uh, I, I started, I think actually started my first few days with my family in Holland, uh, to like get a little adjusted to the time change and to see them and know that they were relatively close by. And then I took the train from their place down to Belgium. So that was already like the first hassle of, trying to lug around your suitcases in and out of, you know, four or five different trains. That was the beginning, but there was never a moment thinking like that this is not what I wanted to be doing or that it wouldn't work or something, you know, you just kind of keep going. Um, and then being at the stables was really, of course, eye opening also because it was crazy hard work it was really so, so tough. And there's a whole variety of people and, and systems. I think at that time she had like 50 some horses there and, you know, there must have been six or seven other students. And so you're meeting new people and meeting new horses and everybody has this big system that they're already in. And it was a, it was a totally, even though I was in horses before, it was still very, very new to me in all of the ways that they did everything. So that was also a, an uncomfortable element, but I just, I embraced it all. I loved it every single second of it. As hard as it was, it was totally what I wanted to be doing. And I was ecstatic to be somewhere else and to be working there and have that chance to, to learn and to grow as a, as a horse person it was essentially my, my biggest goal beyond just traveling at that point. So going back a little bit now, um, your parents were on board. It sounds like they were never like, you know, you have to go to college after high school. Uh, they were like that. <laughs> yeah. They were like that before. And then I said that I wanted to go to Belgium and I told them, I said, okay, I'll just go, you know, for a year and then, then I'll come back and go to college. And they were like, all right, you know, you better do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I did not do that. I did not. <laughs> Oops. Things change, right? Yeah. Sorry. I think, <laughs> um, if I had, if I had like a, a more, I guess, intact plan like you did, um, I probably could have gone because there was a point where, at, um, at the end of my high school career, mm -hmm. career, um, 
I was like, oh, I want to go, I want to go live abroad and I want to either teach English or be an au pair or something like that. And mm-hmm. my parents like, nope, you got to go to college. And I was like, well, if I'm going to college, I'm leaving this town. But like, it was never like, I was like, okay, I just kind of accepted it. I was like, okay, they said I have to go to college. I have to go to college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, maybe my parents were more, they were more open to it. I think they were equally excited for me, you know, and even as the plans continued to change that I stayed here excuse me, and then came back. And then now that I live here even more, they, they continue to always be very, very supportive of it as much as they would love to have me there. They're also, I know that they enjoy that they have a, a European vacation destination at all times. <laughs> yeah. Now my parents are excited for that. Uh, I've traveled quite a bit since that, but um, my parents had never really traveled. Um, so I don't think that they, there was really much support there. Um, I don't even know if my parents, I don't, I don't know if they had passports. I know that they went to like Puerto, Puerto Rico for their wedding, but you don't need a passport for that. So to be honest, I don't even know if they had a passport. So, uh, you inspired them. Good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now they've done some tra- traveling since. Um, so, um, you said that you were there for a year, right? Or how long did you end up staying there with? with uh, that horse rider and the whole team? Uh, I stayed with her for a year. And then, um, and while I was there, then I, I came across several other opportunities to work for other riders um, because I realized that the world was much bigger also than just my little town and then her place. Uh, so I, I went with her to the World Equestrian Games, uh, in the, in, which were in the States in 2010. And that was really a fantastic opportunity also and then also while I was there, I had the opportunity to meet new riders and lots of job offers. Once you get going and once you're in it and you, you know, if you just work hard, you can always find more places and more opportunities for sure. So after that first place, I had met another rider and I went and worked for her also for several years. Um, and that was just, you know, it was just the next step, the next fit, you know, then I had learned something and I realized that that would be a better fit for my plan and what I wanted to do. And, um, and that was also really great. So I was, uh, also a few years back and forth there. I cannot say the exact time of anything anymore. <laughs> it's all selfish flowed together. Yeah, I know. Right. Over, over 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. In total. Yeah. Oh, yeah. in total. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you kind of mentioned, before we got on the phone that the visa thing was kind of, you know, an interesting scenario. How did you end up going about that? Yeah, that was pretty tricky for a long time. Initially, I didn't even know the rules. Um, of course, after I had been in, in Belgium for too long and I tried to make a trip back home, uh, they stopped me at customs and said, like, you know that you can only be here for 90 days within a 180 day period, which, of course, I have no idea. And I was way beyond all those days. And they were like, you shouldn't come back for a while. So, uh, of course, I said, oh, OK, my God. <laughs> but then I, I just kept coming. Yeah. To be honest, it was kind of like, I don't know if I should admit this, but <laughs> that you just kind of went back and forth without really following those rules um that was it was a shame that that was so difficult but it was it's very hard sometimes in some places to get a visa if you're not you know I'm not officially a student I'm not officially working you know I'm still doing a bit the traveling bouncing around game 
So that was hard. Um, but I did later actually get a visa as an au pair. I found a family mm-hmm. um, who had horses and uh, the, the father in the family is a vet and he's still a great friend to this day. Uh, so that was a wonderful opportunity to be able to like, okay, we can make this legal now and I can combine, you know, okay, a different type of work with the kids and then also with the horses. And, uh, that was a lucky find, but yeah, the visas were, were tricky. That was, I was a slow learner on that one. (laughs) I'm sure because you were so young that they were, uh, they were probably, um, like easy on you the first time around. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like if, if I, I go there at 27 years old and I, and I stay there for like eight months, they're going to be like, okay, like you're an idiot, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> as long as you just stay put and don't move around too much, it's no problem. But of course, every time you have to cross, you know, somewhere that has a border zone, then you're in trouble. But if you're going back to the States, they mostly don't care because they're like, okay, you know, get out, <laughs> go back home and stay there. So that's a, that's an easy, easy way. So how long did it take you before you came back the next time? Was it, was it, you know, a long time? Was it a year before you came back again? Or were you like, I'm going to come right back? No, I, I did actually, I think I got pretty sick after a few months, like during the winter. Uh, so I decided to come back home. I think I was there in August and then I came back in January so it was a few months and I was just supposed to be there for two weeks. Uh, but because of the little visa scare at the border, I think I stayed for a month. Um, and then I came back and then it was, uh, six months again, something like that before I came back for, you know, I think, I think I was there then again for a few months and then back for the world of question games. And then there was somewhere, you know, a few times that I think we like the longest stretch was 15 months, um, in between coming home. Whoa. Yeah, that was pretty long. That was uh, maybe a bit too long. <laughs> and they didn't like flag your passport or stop you again when you entered again or nothing. No, no. The strangest thing was it's they were almost more strict when I would leave rather than when I would arrive. Yeah. Which was always a little bit didn't really make sense to me because I thought, why are you mad that I was here for too long if I'm going home? But the moment that I came back two weeks later, they were like, oh, you know, welcome to Europe. <laughs> and yeah, they're not looking at your past history and like, what, I guess. what are you doing here? Yeah. yeah. And did you enter into Belgium each time or did you like come back into different areas? Uh, I Sometimes I fly in and out of Amsterdam, sometimes Belgium, some or Brussels in Belgium, and then sometimes, you know, Paris or there's lots of options close by. Mm-hmm. I think I did London one time to also like bypass the, the typical traffic <laughs> because it's not far either um yeah I did that more than once so you know I hear that a lot though well not a lot but but I've heard it um you know a handful of times so far that even with countries that have a law or uh, whatever they say you can't be there for more than 90 days even mm-hmm. even like a simple trip to somewhere for like a week and then back resets it. I mean, I know that, I know that in Europe it says, yeah, 180 or like you can't be here for more than 180 days out of a year or something. Or is that, is that right? Yeah. 90 days within a 180 day period. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Andrew and I, we have been looking at all the ways that we can do it like legitimately, um, 
but it sounds like that there might be some options legitimately as well. <laughs> Don't take travel advice from me. <laughs> Duly noted. Yeah. Um, I'm legal now. So- I have a real residency in Belgium now. <laughs> Yeah, tell us about that. Is it just because you've been there for so long or how did you end up getting your residency? Uh, The residency that I have now is because I am together with uh, my boyfriend. We have a, they call it a living together arrangement. So it's not Uh fiance visa, I guess. I guess that's also a thing that you can do. But um, yeah, ours is a a living together visa, which is still valid until next year. So. Yeah, how long is that valid for? Uh, five years. Five years. Wow, that seems really cool. Living together arrangement. So, do you did you have to like have proof of anything? Like, do people uh, come by the house? I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes they do. Also, when I was an au pair, they uh, they came by and did a check one time too, and um, they do it partially for like your own safety in that situation because they wanted to make sure, like you know, that I had a heater in my room and which was a little bit, it was a little bit silly, but, um, and I guess to make sure that you're actually there, but for this mm-hmm. one, I think that they only check, um, you know, that we're like, our addresses are listed at the same place and that's kind of the biggest thing. Yeah. That they, they weren't, they weren't that suspicious of us or something. I think they realized that we are actually together and maybe they left it at that. Maybe for other people, they're a little more, cautious I guess if somebody's mm-hmm. used the system but um no it's not too wasn't too stressful wasn't too difficult luckily <laughs> was there like paperwork that you had to like fill out or, or like and like or like relationship how you guys met blah 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 blah, like that kind of stuff no no nothing like that nothing like that just tons of papers of like you know between your birth certificate and filing this document and that document and that document, but no like questions, no, you know, relationship tests, like if we're actually together or if you actually love each other or something, that's, that definitely did not happen. Wow, <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. I never heard of that before. So now I'm curious. I'm like, honey, we should just get a divorce real quick. Find somebody in Belgium. <laughs> we'll both go over there. We'll just all live together. It'll be great. It'll be just <laughs> fine. Don't worry. Got it all planned out. <laughs> So if you guys wanted to like live, say in Spain or something like that, or like to a different place, could you do it? Uh, I think once you're over here and as long as you're within the Schengen countries of the EU, I think it's relatively easy to live within those various countries for sure. Um, I don't, we haven't done it or tried it, but I imagine that it's pretty, I think it's much more possible in that way. Cause you're already, you know, resident of the EU in its entirety. So then mm-hmm. they're they're pretty open and flexible like that, which is very handy. <laughs> so you can technically work in those countries that share that that agreement? Uh, I don't know if I could because my residency card is a little bit different. Um, but I imagine like for other people that it's because it's very typical like in uh, – some companies, you know, here in Belgium, like where we live, we're very close to the French border. So a lot of companies have French people that work for them and vice versa, that people live in Belgium, but they work in France. So I imagine that's mm-hmm. it's pretty compatible, luckily. So your resident card, does it not allow you to work or you can work there in Belgium, just not sure about anywhere else? 
yeah, I can for sure work in Belgium, but I'm not sure about other countries. Mm, I just kind of want to Google it. I'm going to Google it later just because I'm curious, <laughs> but I mean, not that it's going to work for me, but maybe some other single person. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe, maybe some, you have to find somewhere that allows like, you know, three person marriages or something. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Um, probably not anywhere that I want to go. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so what has been your favorite experience abroad? Why, why didn't you go to other countries or have you gone to other countries? Have you thought about living other places? Oh man. I know there's a lot of questions though. So just pick one. Okay. I love new places. I would totally, I don't have any, uh, like grand desire to stay only in Belgium at all. Uh, we're more fixed here now, more for my boyfriends um, and the horses. They don't fit in suitcases very well. <laughs> um, but I love to go everywhere, basically. I would easily live in lots of other places. Uh, it's hard to say that I would really have a favorite. Oh, man, that's way too tough. I could never choose one place. Um, and I'm also not somebody really who travels back very often to like the same place, I guess, which is a little bit silly because obviously I did that with Belgium, but if I can travel somewhere, I would always try to choose somewhere new. Um, uh, my trip in Central America was also really special because it was totally, you know, there was nothing, there were no horses and it was a very different type of traveling. Uh, I enjoyed that a lot. I can easily also live the beach bum lifestyle <laughs> um what was that trip like was that a long trip short trip by yourself with people sorry um I went with a, a girlfriend from my hometown and we also we were both just home for a while she also had a grand desire to travel I think she had been there before a little bit and she wanted to go back for a longer trip so we just decided like hey why not you know we're both here together, like, let's go and find out how well we can get along after five months. And we had a blast. It was the greatest time of my life, for sure. We had so much fun. We started in Belize. We went through Guatemala. We stayed a few months in Honduras. We worked at a, uh, a school in an orphanage for a month in Honduras. We rented an apartment on an island of Utila for a month and learned to scuba dive. And then we went on to Nicaragua and Costa Rica, and it was fantastic. We didn't really have that much of a plan. We had a few places that we said, like, oh, for sure, we want to get there and there. And the rest, you know, once once you start traveling, you meet other travelers and they tell you, you know, oh, we went to this place or we went to that place or, or the locals tell you where you should go. Or, you know, just when you're in the area, you're finally like, oh, hey, I'm in, you know, X country. Why don't we finally start to learn something about this country? And then mm -hmm. you improvise along the way and that was fantastic it was so great just with the backpack and some of it was terrifying some most of it was wonderful <laughs> terrifying because I was thinking oh wow Honduras Guatemala like some some of these places sound a bit dangerous yes they they could be we never had any like really bad experiences but we had a few times that we we're like oh shoot we can't find anywhere to sleep tonight. We don't have a hotel. We don't have anything. And I remember one time somebody invited us to sleep in their house. They saw us wandering around the street forever and ever thinking like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? There's no more buses. We can't go to the next town. Like 
we're going to be sleeping on the beach. And uh, she invited us. She let us. She had a room with a bed above her garage, and it was tiny. And we didn't really have a choice but to take it. And luckily, it all worked out just fine. <laughs> wow, that's so amazing. I love those stories. And I think it happens a lot with travelers, especially back, backpacking, maybe with minimal amount of money or no plan. Um, things like that happen. But I think those times are very eye-opening and they make you realize, wow, how wonderful people are that they'll just, they don't know you and they'll invite you into their home or they'll feed you or whatever. They'll give you a ride. Amazing. Absolutely. That happens all the time, all the time, which is really fun. It's what makes it great also. Was that trip a six-month trip then? I'm kind of just trying to do the math. Uh, Yeah, I think it was five months or something. I don't even remember. It wasn't long enough is all I know. <laughs> it should have yeah. been. Longer. So what does, what determined how long you guys were going to stay? Uh, I don't, I don't remember why we chose that amount of time. I don't know if it was like we have X amount of dollars and we assume that this will last us that amount of time. Or if when we bought our ticket, we said already, I think we had already bought our return tickets and then we just were like, okay, do we, pay the fee to change them or do we just keep them and come back? Um, I think that's what it was. And then I think also maybe she had, or we both had like jobs lined up also in Washington when we came back. Uh, that's also could be why it ended. So, you know, when it did, you had what in Washington <laughs> jobs. I think we probably had some oh, work jobs. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so why why go back to Belgium so many times? I mean, you said that all, all over the world, you said that there, you know, people do this sort of work. Why go back to Belgium? Why not go to another place? That's a really good question. I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Fate. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Um, yeah, maybe also like a loyalty. And, and it was a great thing. You know, I knew a lot of people here. I'd already established myself. Um and then, of course, I also was working for my now boyfriend at the time, and I tried to leave his place a few times, and he kept not letting me, <laughs> which I didn't understand why at the time. I thought, like, oh, why do you keep offering to, you know, pay me more or to, like, do these other things more? And now I know why, but... <laughs> oh, my gosh, this interview is going to turn into a love story. Let's hear it. <laughs> Uh, I guess that's the real reason, right, that I ended up staying in Belgium all the time is uh, speak of the devil. He's walking outside. <laughs> <laughs> so you you ended up finding him. So you went you went like a year with somebody, a couple years with somebody else, went to an au pair and then found him? Uh, yeah, somewhere in all that mixing up order. It's difficult. I can't even remember how which order it happened in anymore. It was a lot of... Uh, a lot of back and forth and a lot of up and down and somewhere I think I, I had also even like worked for him and then I worked for somebody else and then again for him and now I don't work for him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, working for your partner is a bit weird. It's more like working with your partner. <laughs> yeah, now it's working with, exactly. Yeah, 
it's not like uh he's like okay now i'm paying you go clean out the stables (laughs) (laughs) no no it doesn't work like that anymore definitely not no now it's now it's fun because we can you know grow something together um his sole business is not in the horses so it's more a hobby for him and then it's something that we can um you know yeah do together now decide how we want to make it grow so what's the plan? What what is your guys's plan? I you mentioned a couple things um, offline, but but here now, what what's the plan? Uh, now we bought a farm three years ago. We've been here almost three years now. Um, it's a really great place. It has like super fantastic accommodation for the horses and everything, and and lots of opportunity for growth. You know, it needs it needs its fair amount of work, but it's also plenty functional already. Uh, so that's a big, that was a big jump, big work for sure. (laughs) Um, so he's making faces at me outside because, uh, I'm looking out at our arena from here. Um, but I don't want to do horses full time anymore either. After all those years and all that time working for other people, I really felt the struggles and the challenges of it also. And I was just ready for something new. So uh, I studied online and got my bachelor's degree. I finished last year. And then now I'm in another program to get my PhD, my doctorate in natural medicine. And that would, that's cool to like also have something else that is a bit my own thing. That's something that I can also hopefully use wherever that we go. Because Mm -hmm. at the beginning I thought, okay, I need to find a job, you know, in Belgium and what can I do here? But that was difficult. You know, it's difficult to find something that you really like and can take pride in. And, you know, the language still wasn't good enough. That was hard, but I knew I didn't want to stay in the horses anymore. So I thought like school was my best option. Um, and it was great. Like online learning is fantastic. You can totally travel the world and study all that you want. It is so possible mm-hmm. I it with me everywhere. It was great. Um, I still do it. I still take my, my books and I just travel and, and study, you know, all along the road. Um, so that's my goal now that I thought if I could do something in, in medicine and health, that's something that can be used in any country, whether or not we stay in Belgium, if we go somewhere else, if we go back to the States that I can, you know, try to be a little bit more independent also, and not so dependent on the horses anymore. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of our plan, I guess, grow something here. Wim, uh, my boyfriend is really into breeding horses. So, We've got a few babies and some sport horses and um, we in, we mostly just try to enjoy it is the most important now too, that we don't mm-hmm. work, but that we, we can enjoy our time with them for sure. Wow. I know that you say going online is easy, but it totally takes self-discipline. I, I'm definitely one of those people that love to learn online too, Um and I definitely made a point to make most of my classes in university online because I hated going into class. Mm-hmm. But so many people have struggles with it, and especially now with COVID, um, so many people are just doing so bad. So I, I you definitely got to give yourself credit for for getting degrees online and a PhD online. How does that work? I mean, I know that a PhD, you're probably doing a lot of research and stuff like that, I imagine, and it can be, but just sounds like PhDs just always sound like so much work. Right. I think so too. Once I get to that point, I'll let you know. <laughs> oh, I thought 
you were doing I'm I'm in the program now for it, but um but I'm still in my in the master section of it. So I haven't gotten into oh. the into the PhD portion just yet, but it's the it's all plan in part of that program. I'm a little nervous for it too, but um but it's a school that is known for um hosting a lot of online students and it's um there's a really large international community also of the students, which is helpful too to know like mm-hmm. know that you're not alone and it's okay to you know, feel awkward and struggle or have a study buddy that's also still in another country. Um, but it, it is hard. That's true. I, I say it, I did say that it was easy, but it's also really hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's okay. I, I think there's, there's uh, things that are easy and things that are difficult in most things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for people that are interested in horses, um, I'm just going to be specific because um, it's very specific, your experience. I know, I mean, I'll, I'll open it up to more broad, but for people that are interested in horses and working abroad, do you have any um, tips for them? Uh, learn all that you can all the time, like everywhere that you go, you can, um, there are tons of riders who are open to accepting students all the time. So learning is Mm -hmm. very, very, um, acquirable and you just need to go do it. Um, and you have to be willing to put in the time and then you don't also don't have to be afraid if you don't, uh, feel like you fit in with a certain type of, you know, rider or training style or something. There are tons and tons of horse people and styles and disciplines all over that you can definitely you're not just because one doesn't work out doesn't mean the next one won't um but definitely take the take the opportunities for sure you have to you have to go for them and you have to be willing to work hard in the horse world people work really really hard it's mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely it's not something that you can sit back and just watch you have to be willing to get in and you know do the hours do the time lots of blood sweat and tears maybe you should pick a different sport <laughs> <laughs> you know, just forget about it. Just don't do it. <laughs> it's really tough. <laughs> so if you don't have thick skin, think think about being an all pair or something. Unless maybe maybe you tell me because I haven't been an all pair. Maybe you need thick skin for that as well. <laughs> maybe I suppose it depends on your family. Pick a good family, and then you're. Then you're... <laughs> Uh, no, it's very rewarding, but you just have to be willing to work hard. But um, I think that that's something that I really learned coming to Europe was actually how to get a bit thicker skin, you know, how to, because people here tend to be a bit more like upfront and blunt, you know, they don't feel the need mm-hmm. to say nice things if they don't mean them. And that's really <laughs> helpful. <actually. laughs> it's clear and easy and you know it's hard like but uh yeah (laughs) I'm not sure where I'm going people say what they mean people say what they mean there yes yes (laughs) so they seem to (laughs) okay so if you want thicker skin go go abroad if you don't have it yet but you want it you can go abroad Exactly. You'll get some, you'll get some travel around, be awkward, be lost, learn new things, like meet all types of new people. And, uh, you will definitely toughen up a little bit. (laughs) You have, you have no choice. (laughs) Yeah. 
So for just anybody that wants to travel and live abroad or work abroad, um, what what other options have you seen? Um, I guess we're going more general if people aren't necessarily into horses, but maybe they're interested in Belgium or Holland or something like that. What other options have you seen? Uh, I think it all, you know, it all just depends on what your abilities are and what you want to do. If you're, if you just want to live over here and find a job, you can for sure find, you know, something anywhere. You can find something on a farm or, or in a restaurant or, you know, cleaning houses for sure. There's lots of options. Um, if you want to be a little bit more specific, then you have to, of course, evaluate like your language skills and you have to have also some other skills to offer that a local person doesn't. So, uh, if you can pick up on some language is really helpful. That's, that's a good thing, especially in the workplace, like in your day-to-day life, everybody speaks English and that's so you can, you know, get by. But if you want to work and like really function within a group in the society, then being able to learn a language is really helpful. But I wouldn't be able to say very easily, like a specific job that someone should come over here and go for. Um, I wouldn't know. I'm sorry. I'm not very helpful there. <laughs> no, no. I just didn't know maybe if you had other foreign friends that were living there and, and working there and that had different jobs than you sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have some do. that work in, in a shop. I have another, uh, I have one Russian friend who works in a, in a clothing or a, 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 a home store and then another Russian friend who works for the postal service. And then, um, I had another American friend who was, uh, you know, cleaning in a hospital. And then, um, I think like my, uh, family member who's living in Spain, she works in a hotel, like a very nice mm-hmm. resort there. Um, she works in the, for the concierge because she speaks very good English and also Spanish and yeah, lots of possibilities all over the place. It can be, it can be anything. And I imagine some of these are um, with residency and some of them are under the table. Uh, I suppose that's possible. Yeah. Um, I think most of those ones like working in the store or for an official business, you know, like the post or something, of course, then you have to mm-hmm. have a residency. But, um, you know, if you want to work on a farm or do something else, then I suppose it's possible to find little types of odds and, and jobs everywhere. Mm hmm. Well, before we end, Jory, um, are there any um, other things of any other experience that you feel like you'd like to share that you think, um, you know, people live, looking to live and work abroad um, might find useful? Uh, oh, man, that's really tough. I think just for traveling in general, I'll say it that way rather than like working somewhere because I don't have much work experience myself either outside of the, with the horses. But I think to travel and to start somewhere new, you have to be willing to be uncomfortable. You have to really get used to being uncomfortable that, mm-hmm. you know, that it's awkward. It's, you're not going to understand. You're going to, especially with the language. Sometimes you feel a little bit like the dumb person in the room because you're not able to contribute to the conversation and you just have to really get, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And, and it's Mm -hmm. actually a great thing. It's a wonderful, like, what's that quote? Life begins at the end of your comfort zone. And it really does because Mm -hmm. to, to finally try, you know, a new skill or to learn different ways to communicate without, you know, using words and, um, 
I think that that's really helpful in traveling. And then I imagine finding work abroad, like just get used to being uncomfortable and, and it's okay. You can learn to embrace it. And definitely um, it's part of the adventure for sure. Oh, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I think that's a great point. Um, I think being uncomfortable is where growth growth happens, whether that's in your career, in your health, um, in your relationships. Oh, thanks for sharing that. Um, I sure. appreciate you coming uh, and uh, speaking on your experience today. I think there'll be definitely people that'll be interested in hearing it. So I appreciate you for uh, being here. Thank you. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Come visit me in Belgium anytime. <laughs> yeah, girl, I'm coming to Spain. I'm going to stop in Belgium. <laughs> yeah, it's real close by, real close by. All right. Well, until then, take care and we'll stay in touch. All right. Thank you.